Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The long wait is finally over. Amani Bates, the elite basketball prospect from Michigan and one-time Michigan State commit, reversing course and announcing his intentions to play at the University of Memphis. How did we get here? What does it mean for the Spartans and Tom Izzo? We will discuss on episode 44 of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Also, observations from the football teams meet the Spartans open practice. I'm Brandon Champion, joined by Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Friday, August 27th, 2021. We are one week away from Michigan State versus Northwestern. I am stoked. But uh, let's start with a start the episode with a listener question, shall we? This just came in, so whoever sent that in, we appreciate it. Uh, and don't worry, guys, it's multiple choice, so you can at least take a guess regardless. Uh, but Matt, we'll start with you. Which of these bold predictions would be most likely to bet on? Would you be most likely to bet on? Uh, one, MSU will boat race, aka route at least two opponents. MSU will have a top 20 run defense or MSU will finish top three in the big 10 East. Which one are you going for there, Matt? Yeah, I'll go with the first one. I think that's probably the, probably the best odds of that one happening. Top 20 run D yeah, top three in the East. Eh, yeah, let's just take two blowouts. You know, I think they, Who are they blowing out. Uh, can, we, can we define boat race too, by the way? <laughs> I, I, I think it's at least like, I think you got to be talking at least four touchdowns. I was going to say three. But. I was, yeah, was going to go about 20, 20 points plus. I think Is 28-7 really a boat race, though? Uh, depends on what the game looks like. We'll look yeah. at the, Indi- the Indiana game last year. What was that, 28 to nothing? That might as well have been 60. That, that was a boat race, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa I mean, was a boat there's race. A certain, there's a certain feel to a boat race where you're, you know the game. It was, it was 24 to nothing last year, and it felt like 60. Um, okay, so we can assume Youngstown State is one of them. That would be a guess, yeah. And then I don't know, maybe Western Kentucky, I don't know, Purdue, Maryland. I, I, I just just throwing it out there. It's hard to say what a like a, what a boat race is. I think there's two reasons we don't understand this. One, because Mark D'Antonio just refused to blow people out. So we're not. I don't really know what a what a boat race is. Like even his blowouts would be like thirty-one three or something like that. Like you see these SEC teams or Big Twelve teams putting like fifty-six on people. And you, you just don't, you didn't see that in the D'Antonio era. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting to see like if Mel, how Mel will approach, uh, you know, piling on the points. Don't, don't forget about the Jack Allen touchdown against Penn state. Mark yes. would have put it, put a knife in people <laughs> when he wanted to. 
Yeah, no, that was, yeah, I guess, I guess there's a difference between rubbing it in on Western Michigan and rubbing it in on a division conference rival who is supposed to be one of your rivals. So, but would you give that same answer, Kyle? No, I would not. I, I don't see them having the offense to boat race much of anybody. Um, but because that to me, like that's a key element of the boat race, right? It's like you got to be putting up points and scoring um, a fair amount. So um, I, I'm going to go with uh, top 20 run defense. Uh, they were 55 last year, so not terribly far away from it. And, and I like what they bring back on the defensive front. So of those three options, um, none of which I would bet on in Vegas, um, I would consider that the, the most likely. I agree. That's what I would go with, too. I, I mean, I don't think any of these are likely. That's why they're bold predictions. But, right. uh, you know, Michigan State has a history of having great run defense. I think that, you know, as we've talked about multiple times, uh, that's, you know, the strength of the team. It's the strength of the position group. They have depth there. Um, so I think that that's the one that I would go with as well. So um, yeah, but they, they fell off last year in the run D. Uh, that's true. That. That's true. They, no, they, they were. They were, oh man, I wish I had it in front of me, but it was something like eight of 10 years, something like that. They had a top 10 national run D and they finished first twice in that span before falling off to like something like 19th. Um, okay, hold on. Yeah, I, I can't find it. Um, it was something like 19th and in, in 19 or something like that outside the top 20. And then last year they were in like the fifties or whatever it is. And they gave up more, t- more rushing touchdowns last year than they did in like the previous two seasons combined. So I'm just, just throwing saying. last year out last year is just like, yeah, it didn't happen, fair. you know, mm-hmm. like the, it wasn't a real season. No, I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm just banking on, you know, like traditionally, as you just said, Michigan state has had a good run D. So yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and none uh, of us are even considering the third option because, you know, they've got three top 20 teams in their division, and I don't see that remotely possible. And Indiana's, yeah, I mean. Yeah, Indiana, Indiana's and, one of them. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, we, what do you mean? One of them's not Michigan? Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks for throwing that in there. All right, so, yeah, the, I, I, you know, just a fun little conversation okay. off the top. Whoever sent that question in, we appreciate it. Um, if you, If anyone listening out there has questions like that or wants us to address anything, just send them in. We're happy to, to have some fun with them. So uh, thanks for listening today. If you could please like rate and review the podcast, wherever you're listening, check out our work on mlive.com slash Spartans. Hit us up on Twitter. If you have any questions or comments, I know you guys aren't afraid to uh, get in the mentions there of Matt and Kyle's uh, uh, posts, but, uh, and mine actually, which is, is nice. I welcome it. I love y'all. I like, I like interacting with y'all. These two are too big time sometimes. So, you know, they got too much going I, on. So. I, I, you know, I interact with all reasonable replies. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. You don't need to be responding to everyone. I get it. Uh, but yeah. uh Let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start with Imani Bates. Unfortunately, Kyle, I, I, I thought we were done with this like four times. And I'm t- after this conversation, we're not doing it anymore. We're not going to be tracking Imani at Memphis. This is a Michigan State podcast. He's not at Michigan State anymore. I don't think we need to talk about him after today. But we need to have this conversation because he made it official, goes into Memphis, going to join Jalen Duren and Penny Hardaway down in the south. And, um, you know, not an unsurprising move. We kind of knew this was coming. The tea leaves were sending him that way for a while. Um, But, uh, you know, it's the end of this saga that Michigan State fans have been following for the better part of two, three years. Um, Obviously not surprising to go to Memphis, but what are your reactions now that he's finally picked a destination? You know, I... I, I do think it's it's more of a kick in the teeth for Michigan State fans than, than the other option because for a while this was like, 
hey, he's probably going pro, but in case he maybe goes to college, let's get let's get in position to be that school. And for a while they were. Um, and when he decommitted, I know the the thought then was, okay, he decommitted because he's he's going to he's going pro. But to see him now go to another college when you're the in-state school, you're the school he's visited countless times since he was a seventh grader. You know, Tom is the only coach who really, um, really actually recruited him and went to see his games and, you know, called him the first day he was allowed to call him and all those things you do with the guy, uh, your top recruit, you know, Michigan State's the only school that did that. So I, I get that this was kind of a slow burn and um, it didn't come out of the blue. Um, so I, I think that's why maybe there wasn't a lot of disappointment. But I think when you take a step back, boy, they had a really good shot at, uh, they were in really good position for a potential, you know, top, you know, whatever you want to call them, top three talent um, to get him. And it, it slipped away. And I'm not sure that, I don't think that's Michigan State's fault, um, but um, it, it's still, you're not going to have a whole lot of kids like Imani Bates down the road from you who grow up, um, you know, thinking about going to Michigan State. That's probably never going to happen again. So to see it slip away, um, I don't get this sense from Michigan State fans, but if, if I was a Michigan State fan, I'd, I'd still be a little disappointed by it <laughs> Kyle the, the fan sentiment has turned from jubilation I got some to, thoughts about that to, to bragging to uh we have Amani Amani Bates is a Spartan to well he's just taking his time to well we didn't want now now the mood is we didn't want him anyway they weren't they were they weren't recruiting him anymore he was just going to be a cancer it was just going to be drama it wasn't going to be a good fit it was going to ruin the whole season uh, these are coping mechanisms and I'm sorry if you guys want to get mad at me about that. I feel like, you know, it's fine if you want to do it that way. And I'm not, I would rather have Jade Nakins at this point than Amani Bates because I think Akins is going to be a multiple year player, but to act like missing out on Amani Bates, isn't something that matters is just being mm -hmm. foolish. Like you can, you can chalk it up however you want, you know, like he, he wasn't going to be a good fit, whatever Michigan state's going to be fine. They're going to move forward. They have a good, they should have a good team. They have talent. Um, but I do think this shift in the fan base now that Amani Bates is a Memphis Tiger and not a Michigan State Spartan has, has been uh, interesting. <laughs> you're, you're coming off like scorned lovers, a lot of you in my replies right now. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. But now, I mean, the thing that the only thing about, I mean, a lot of it's predictable. I mean, this is college sports and recruiting and everything. Um, but, but the only thing that, that's, that's really bothered me a little bit is kind of the, the personal stuff about Imani and, and the sense that like he was going to be a problem child. He was going to be a locker room cancer. I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think we have any, um, any basis for that. I mean, you can, you can take issue with how his dad and his family managed his career. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of it is in their own prep school. And that's fine. Like that's all fair game. Um, but the thing is like, Oh, Amani, a prima donna, Amani, you know, would destroy the locker room. Um, I don't think there's any basis for that. Um, I, you know, the, the kid, um, you know, he's a, he's a 17 year old trying to navigate an extremely difficult process. And, um, um, so I, I, I don't, I don't like that, but if you think I, the, the only caveat I'll say is that if you read some of the stuff when he committed to Memphis about him talking about playing point guard and how that was really important to him and how Penny Hardaway, uh, said, you're going to be my point guard, um, you know, the, the, the only the only jump you can make there is, well, if he went to Michigan State and said, hey, I want to play point guard. Um, that's something where maybe you look at it and say, well, if that's a condition, then maybe thanks. But no, thanks, um, because I don't think that's 
Um, I don't think that's something, I mean, Thomas is not a guy who's going to accept positional demands from an incoming player. First of all, if, it, if that's what it was. Um, and, and second of all, I don't think that's how he fits on this team. Um, and I don't think that would have worked. So, um, but, but other than that, I mean, I mean, talking like he's some problem coming in, I, I don't, I don't think that that's really fair to this situation. I, I think the only thing, I mean, a lot of people are drawing to the the little tiff or dust up or whatever disagreement, whatever you want to call it when him and Jaden Akins were playing mm-hmm. together. Um, and, you know, I think you've kind of downplayed that in the past. And I, I think maybe it is a little bit overblown, but clearly something wasn't working between the two of them. And I think maybe most fans feel that, you know, it's because Elgin and, and his dad and Imani were just, you know, running things the way they wanted to and didn't really care about Jaden Akins. So I, I think that that's where a lot of that comes from, but I, a lot, again, a lot of that, we don't, we don't know. We we haven't confirmed any of that. We don't, but that's also on the adults, you know, mm-hmm. um, when I was in high school teams, there probably people I would have wanted to kick off my team, you know, but we, I had adults in the room that said, we're not, we don't, we don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that that's on the adults in the room and you know what he gets into a college program um, and his family's not running it. You know, there's more structure. There's a head coach. Um, you don't know how that's going to go. And everyone assuming that, you know, it would have been a train wreck at Michigan state or it would have been a big problem. I, we don't know that. Um, I will say that this, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall for Memphis this season. Uh, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but I would watch a Memphis <laughs> reality television show um, <laughs> yeah. this year. Um, so that would Can we get fun. one of those ESPN plus uh, series where they like follow Memphis throughout the I season? I would hundred percent watch that. So I, <laughs> but I, I do, I do understand the fatigue I guess, for Michigan state fans. This has been a long process um, of recruiting him, of waiting to see what's going to happen. Um, so if you're a little just fatigued of waiting out this recruitment, I don't blame you, but, um, you know, it ended, um, I think in the end, at the end of the day, you were probably closer to getting him than you thought, uh, because for so much of this, we thought he's going pro, none of this matters. So, um, you were Michigan state probably had a better shot at him than they thought and, and they couldn't quite do it. How much do you think NIL played a factor in not only him coming to college, but also not coming to Michigan state and going to Memphis because, I think it matters a whole heck of a lot. I, I think it did too. I mean, and that's based on his comments. I mean, he pretty much said it. Um, I, I, I got the sense kind of reading between the lines that the G league offer wasn't where they thought it would be um, as far in terms of money. So I think that kind of helped uh, get college back in the picture. Um, I think those two numbers between college and, and, and G league were closer um, than they thought, you know, I, 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 I guess FedEx put a, together some NIL deal for them. I, I guess I just have a hard time thinking that if Michigan State really wanted this, that they couldn't just pass the hat, scrape the pots together and, and match that. Uh, we've certainly seen no shortage of, um, of uh, big don- corporate donations to Michigan State in the last couple of years. So, um, But Kyle, that's illegal. You can't do that. It's oh, against God. the rules. Yes. Don't, don't forget about the rules. The rules, God. yeah. Godspeed to anybody at the NCAA trying to. What are we doing, man? What happen, are we doing? If Imani wanted to come to Michigan State, he could have been a rocket mortgage ambassador, I'm sure, and won a, won a polo every now and then and gotten a million dollars. And that could have, I, I, I'm sure that could have happened somehow. Absolutely. So I, um, I, I, think it, I think it helped college basketball overall. I'd be surprised surprised if this would put Memphis over the top of Michigan state. I think Memphis, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's easier, but like, it's not the big 10, you know, you're not, 
you're not getting a pounding every night in and out and playing really good teams all the time. I think if you want to preserve your draft status a little bit more, you can do it there. Um, my sense is Penny's probably a little bit more amenable to uh, working with a star player uh, maybe than Tom Izzo. Um, and, you know, but, you know, I, I, he played AU with Jalen Duran, who's the, the other top guy they just got. So I think that probably played a factor too. So I, I, that seems to me the factor, maybe it was NIL, but um, I, I doubt people at Michigan state would have let that really be the reason. I don't think the FedEx money hurt, but I do agree with a lot of what you said about, you know, Tom Izzo obviously plays a very structured uh, style of basketball. He has a lot of sets. He likes to, he's a traditionalist where I think is Penny Hardaway, you know, he's a younger guy. He's a new generation guy. Maybe he's more into, you know, this positionless basketball and free flowing and just letting Amani Bates play point guard and do this ISO stuff. I mean, that wasn't going to happen at Michigan State. So if that was, I think that's a big reason. And, you know, I had also heard that Michigan State kind of was just wasn't really going after him as hard after a while because it seemed I like the writing too. was on the wall. So, yeah. um, you know, there's multiple reasons why it didn't happen. I don't buy the dodged a bullet narrative that a lot no. of people are trying to put out there. Cause I think Amani Bates would have helped Michigan state. He's got friends on the team. Gabe Brown's one of his best friends. I think that it would have worked out fine. Um, today though, you think Michigan state will go farther in the tournament than Memphis? I do. I, I that, that sounds kind of crazy, but I, I, I just, I, I can't, I'm, I'm not bought into Penny Hardaway yet as a championship winner. He's a talent collector at this point. And maybe mm-hmm. he will completely prove me wrong, but he hasn't had a team quite this talented, but he's had a couple of talented teams there and, and can't seem to make the tournament. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I know, you know, um, Cal and coach K are kind of the villains of college basketball because of, you know, how they operate in this one and done, but like, it is not easy to take a bunch of really talented guys and actually put them together and win games and win championships. I, I think people look at star ratings and think, Oh, they've got these guys. They, you know, they're going to be the best. They should be like I, getting the pieces to fit, getting all the egos to work. Like that is really, really difficult. And, and I think Cal and K are really good coaches for being able to make that work. And I think the Penny's track record so far has shown that it's easier said than done to get a really talented group to actually win games and win championships. So um, Mm -hmm. I would bet more on Michigan state. And I I don't think it's the wrong, um, the wrong position for if time, if time is position was, Hey, um, you know, we're not going to go ISO around you and, and, you know, hand you the keys to the team. We still have a structure here that's worked for us. Um, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a wrong position to take here given the track record of all this. Yeah. I mean, Memphis is weird, man. They obviously get talent, but you know, I think the interesting thing about this team is, you know, they do have some veterans, you know, Landers Nolly is probably Mm -hmm. still going to be their leading scorer, you know, Lester Quinoa and, uh, Deandre Williams. I mean, they have some older guys that they can mix with these younger guys. So, I think it will be interesting. And when you've seen like Duke and Kentucky teams that were led by these super freshmen, um, the ones that actually have success have some older guys on the team too. So, uh, you know, I do think Memphis has that going for him. One other thing I just wanted to touch on. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Imani lately. You know, he went from being this generational prospect to, I think he's third or fourth overall in the two, four, seven ranks now. So just a really good player. Um, There's been a lot of talk about his development lately and how maybe it's sort of been stunted either by playing, you know, not enough talent in Michigan or playing under his dad where they're kind of on this hodgepodge team where he's just kind of the guy doing whatever he wants. You know, you just said it about Penny Hardaway. We don't know how good of a coach he actually is. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we know he can recruit. 
We know he knows basketball. We know he knows how to play basketball, but it's still up in the air whether or not he can be a successful college basketball coach. So I hear a lot of people being like, oh, Memphis is the perfect place for him. From a development standpoint, I feel like you would have been a lot better off going to play for Tom Izzo than Penny Hardaway. Yeah, or I think you can argue he'd have been better off going to the G League. Um, I know that's a short track record there, but I mean, their whole thing is like, let's get you ready for the NBA, um, you know. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's not like Penny has, I mean, he's got a short track record, but it's not like he's taken a bunch of people and put them, you know, top five in the, in the NBA draft. I mean, I think people make that assumption because he played for a long time in the NBA and he knows the NBA, but having that and being able to get guys there and develop them is a completely different thing. And I agree, like, he's a guy who needs to be, in a good development situation because he certainly has all the talent and all the physical tools. Um, but I, you know, it seems like he that's slowed down a little bit in recent years and he needs to be in a good spot. And yeah, Tom Izzo has that track record. I think it would have been a good place for him and maybe Memphis will do it. I certainly wouldn't rule it out, but that's, um, I, that's what you got to be thinking about. I think if you're, if you're, um, Imani and his people. And then the other interesting nugget is that he can't leave after this year. He can't be a one and done. So we might, he could go to the G league next year. Right. But he couldn't go to the NBA. Well, you think so. you're done talking about him after today, <laughs> he could enter the transfer portal oh, in no. April next year. Yeah. I plant uh, that seed now. Let's don't do it. do it to me, Kyle. <laughs> don't do it to me. My gosh. Yeah. We're probably going to well, be talking. No, about but, you're, but you're right. I mean, I, everything I've read is that that rule is not going to change. Apparently he's looking for an exception from what I read, um, but they're not going to get it because of course if they an exception, then they're, everybody's going to want an exception. He's like 20 days after the deadline. He's born like three weeks too late. So yeah, we might be doing the, um, I'm sure it's going to be a year to year thing. So whether or not college basketball or Michigan state is in the picture at all, it would not surprise me at all. If there is a, where will Amani play next year conversation at this point next year as well. Well, we obviously wish him the luck, wish him the best of luck. It's, it's sad for people, you know, fans that we're not going to get to see him in, in a Michigan state uniform. It would have been fun. would have brought a lot of attention to the program. You know, I don't I don't blame fans for being a little salty. It was you know, it was we thought he was coming for a long time. He said he's big on loyalty, the quotes out there. And then he, he does this. And, you know, Michigan State fans, if there's one thing I know about them, one thing that does not sit well to them is flakiness or go, wavering back and forth or being a part time fan or, you know, you either you got to be all in in the Michigan State fans eyes. And most of the time the guys are. So I can see why sometimes why they would be rubbed a little bit the wrong way. But in the end, it's the kid's decision. And let's not act like it was a loss or a slap in the face for Michigan State because it was. Um, but they'll be fine. They're going to move on. They're Michigan State. They've got a lot of talent. I'm excited for the season. So anything else on Imani Kyle or can we move on? I think we are ready to at long last move on from Mr. Okay. Forever <laughs> until next year. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on to football. Uh, the football season is coming. I'm so pumped. We have games guys tomorrow, tomorrow. There's real college football games, presumably with fans in the stands. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. But uh, in terms of Michigan State, they're still a week away. But we did get another look at the at the Spartans, and the public did as well at Spartan Stadium for the Meet the Spartans event. You guys were both there. Um, so I, I guess we can kind of just uh, – I'll open the floor, Matt. What is um, anything – any new developments or any notable takeaways from the open practice? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, it's the obvious and to start at quarterback, which is the question everybody wants to have answered. I mean, it's – I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what you, what you saw on, on Monday was 
Um, again, obviously Peyton Thorne and Anthony Russo getting the, the first reps um, and it's a toss up. So uh, we did see Russo throw a nice deep ball. He had a uh, long completion to, or was it, uh, I have to look up the number now. It was like 52 yard touchdown to Aiden right? Reed. Well, to Reed first and then Naylor for 67. So that was, that was interesting. Um, Thorne had a nice touch on a few um, shorter throws. He didn't, he didn't throw deep um, or he didn't have a deep completion. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we asked, obviously Mel uh, was asked about it on Tuesday and didn't give an answer and said, you know, we'll talk about it this week and then we'll make a decision before the game. So I don't know if you're going to, I would be surprised at this point in time if, if he came out on Tuesday, which is the next time he's supposed to talk to us um, and named a quarterback. I think he'll just be waiting until, till uh, till nine o'clock on <laughs> next Friday to, to figure out who's going to be a, a, the one out there with the offense. So, um, and after that, you know, it was just kind of a little bit, little nuggets here and there that you're, you were looking at. The offensive line looks like it's pretty well settled. I mean, it's been the same five in the same spot working first that we've seen um, during practice when they've opened the, you know, when the portions that we've been able to look at. So Horst at left tackle, Duplain at left guard, Allen at center, Jarvis right guard, our Curry at right tackle. Uh, I think the biggest competition would probably still be uh, Matt Allen being able to hold off um, Nick Samak at center. Um, after that, uh, it was guys that weren't available. Uh, now it's always something you're looking for. Uh, Jacob Slade, who's a starting defensive tackle. He was, you know, he was wearing his uniform, but he was wearing shorts on so no pads, no helmet. He didn't participate. He had a cast over his right hand and wrist. Um, Adam Berghorst didn't participate as well. He had a brace on his right knee for whatever that's worth. Uh, Ma now Teote and Carson Castile, freshman linebackers, neither of them participated. And Ricky White, Alex Aquilo, and Michael Gravely Jr. were not seen anywhere. And Mel on Tuesday said uh, White and uh, Gravely are not participating in team activities. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> I take that um, as it's an internal suspension. I wish you would just yeah, call it well, that. Yeah, well, I mean, choose your words however you'd like to, but they're not part of the team right now. Clearly, they're on the roster, but you know, they're obviously not. Those two are not doing anything with the team, so I wouldn't. So, just... weren't there some weren't there some uh, interesting stuff with who was playing rec- who who was up in the well, receiver rotation then without? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Reed and Naylor are the given. You know, those two are right. in the top two, and after that, it's just who's going to be that third guy, and that's kind of been gone back and forth throughout camp. Um, obviously, with White being not part of the team you can cross him off the list right now but um i always thought it'd be trey mosley um and he was the guy we saw out there working first with, with breed and naylor um there's been a lot of talk from uh different players um offensive coordinator jay johnson and, and others um about uh montori foster being a big riser he was you know a true freshman last year and it's, it's a unique story because he didn't play varsity football till his senior year you know this is a basketball player and a pretty good one at that. Um, but it just kind of, you know, it just, you, you know, you got a guy that's that new in his development really in the sport. So we'll see what, we, what they can get, but he was working second team. I mean, not to say he couldn't take over a starting role. He started a game last year, but um, then, so Foster Lockett, Christian Fitzpatrick is kind of like that second group. And then beyond that, you'd have um, Keon Coleman, Ian Stewart, um, Jeez, I'm forgetting somebody. Now. McDonald or Kate. Yeah, but I was thinking, yeah, McDonald, but there was another one. But yeah, either way, that's kind of your Lockett. Thing. Did you say Lockett? 
Yeah, yeah. I think I said Lockett. If I oh. if I didn't, he was in the second group, I believe. So okay. Oh, C.J. Hayes. He's he moved to safety, so he's uh, not yeah, in the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's you know that's interesting, I guess, because I mean you read the writing on the wall if you think you're you're pretty well set at, at receiver, but you could use some more depth at safety. Um, yeah, and you know he's a guy that he didn't play last year because he had foot surgery and. Um, he played DB in high school, so uh, interesting switch, and we'll see if he can, you know, if he can crack the lineup in, in that role. What about you, Kyle? You were there. Uh, yeah, I'm also the same as Matt. Um, you know, I was kind of watching running backs because I've been curious to see how that's going to shake out. I don't think you can get four guys equal carries there. Um, so, um, you know, Nothing too surprising. Um, I don't know, Matt. Did you think maybe Harold Joyner, Joyner was maybe the fourth guy? Um, yeah, before? yeah, yeah. I, I think so, and, and that'll depend on how they really want to use him. I think he's more of a you know at six four. You wrote a story about him um, the other day, and yeah, yeah. I, I I just think straight up running the ball. Walker one, Collins two, Simmons three. But I, I think they'll find weird stuff for him. You know, mm-hmm. see him lined up at um, at wide receiver at certain points, sort of motioning out of the backfield, stuff like that. Um, but short it, yardage, it, yeah. For um, yeah, go go fall down. You're six four. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, I mean, that was um, other than that. I mean, the other three seem to be a top three, and I didn't see a huge. I mean, they're probably just kind of getting guys equal carries for appearances, but uh, they seem pretty equal to me. How was the crowd? Uh I all right, I'm I am really terrible uh at estimating crowd sizes unless you give me a completely full stadium and tell me what the capacity of the stadium is. Um or an empty stadium. <laughs> Last year I could have done a, an okay job because there was, you know, the crowds you were could count them individually at sometimes. <laughs> um I, I would say it was somewhere between three and six, eight thousand. I don't know. I, I, I'm terrible at that crap, but um I I don't know. I mean, that's, that's interesting. I don't know how many people are going to be comfortable being in that setting. This, I, I, you know, that'll be, that'll be really interesting to see come, you know, whether it's the Northwestern game, which, you know, Ryan, you know, Ryan Fields is a little tricky, you know, the Northwestern fan base, you know, being in Chicago is a little tricky. So I'm sure you'll see plenty of Spartans there, but um, you know, how many people actually show up at, at, at Spartan stadium this year? How many people will use their tickets? I, I don't know. It'll, there were people spaced out for the most part um, in certain areas on uh, on Monday, and then there were some packs of people. But some people were still wearing the mask inside the stadium, even in the outdoors uh, portion. So I don't know. I thought there would be a few more than there were. If I'm being totally honest, um, I mean, first opportunity to watch the team live in you know a year and a half or whatever it's been, close to two years. Um, eh, spring game. Oh yeah, spring game. Um, but either way, not very many opportunities mm-hmm. to, um, to see this team live. And, you know, I, um, I'm not sure they'll be pushing to, to fill that stadium, um, this fall, but I could be wrong. I'll be there. I got my season tickets the other day. So, uh, I'll, uh, I'll wave to you guys up in the press box in your fancy seats. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, anything else or, uh, I mean, we can wrap this up I and mean, we're going to get more into the game next week. Um, obviously they're playing Northwestern and just for, I think we're going to be recording like during the season, we're going to be recording on Mondays. Is that what we settled on guys? So we can do the, we can get a, a, re- a reaction. Cause last year we did it sort of Wednesday and it was kind of this weird period where we were, 
talking about a game that was three days old and previewing one that wasn't happening for three days. So we kind of sat down and thought that Mondays would be uh, the best day for us to record so we can get you some immediate reaction from the game. So I I believe that's the plan this year. Um, Have you you calmed down from the game yet by Monday or are you still all amped up from it? (laughs) You know, it depends how it goes, Kyle. Depends how it goes. <laughs> it's uh, last year after that Rutgers game, I was pretty shook for about three days. You know, they turned the ball over seven times. I was like, this is what we were waiting for. I'd rather I'm not played the season, but uh, <laughs> it's really going to depend. I hope that I'm coming down from that. I'll have an NFL Sunday to sort of, you know, wash away the memory of whatever happened on Saturday. So I think we'll be safe. But uh, anything else, guys, or we should get out of here? I think we're good. I think so too. Cool. Well, thanks for listening today. We appreciate it. Again, if you could please like rate and review the podcast, we would appreciate it. Hit us up with your questions. Again, we appreciate the question off the top of the show. Hit us up on Twitter and check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. One more week, Spartan fans, but we get some football appetizers this weekend. Illinois and Nebraska play at one o'clock, I believe. So you can check out that, get your big 10 fixed. There's a couple other games on as well. And then, of course, it gets into full gear next week. Football is almost here. We love it. We can't wait. Uh, But we thank you so much for listening. And for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. And go Green!